Chapter Seventeen of A Man of Honor by George Carey Eggleston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen, in which Mister Pagebrook bids his friends goodbye. The next two or three days passed away very quickly with Mister Robert and Miss Sudie. Robert made to his aunt a statement of the results without entering into the details of his conferences with Miss Sudie, and was assured of Colonel Barksdale's approval when that gentleman and Billy should return from the court they were attending. The two young people, however, were in no hurry for the day appointed for that return to come. They were very happy as it was. They discussed their future, and laid many little plans to be carried out after a while. It was arranged that Robert should return to Virginia at the beginning of the next long vacation, that the wedding should take place immediately upon his coming, and that the two should make a little trip through the mountains, and, returning to Shirley, remain there until the autumn should bring Robert's professional duties around again. They were in the very act of talking these matters over for the twentieth time one afternoon, when Major Pagebrook rode up. He seemed absent and nervous in manner, and after a few moments of general conversation, asked to see Robert alone upon business. When the two were closeted together, Major Pagebrook opened his pocketbook, and taking out a paper, he slowly unfolded it, saying, "'I have just received this, Robert,' and I suppose there is a duplicate of it awaiting you in the post office. Robert looked at the paper in blank astonishment. "'What does this mean?' he cried. "'My draft protested? Why, I have sixteen hundred dollars in that bank, and my draft was for only three hundred. "'It appears that the bank has failed,' said Major Pagebrook. At least I reckon that's what the Richmond people mean. They say, in a note to me, that it went to pot a week ago. It seems there are a good many banks failing this fall. I hope you won't lose everything, though, Robert. The blow was a terrible one to the young man. In a moment he took in the entire situation. To lose the money he had in bank was to be forced to begin the world over again with absolutely nothing. But at any rate, he could pay the debt he owed to his cousin very shortly, and to be free from debt is in itself a luxury to a man of his temperament. He thought but a moment, and then said, "'Cousin Edwin, I shall have to ask you to carry that protested draft for me a few days, if you will.' There is some money due me on the 15th of this month, and it is now the ninth. I ask that it should be sent to me here, but I shall go to Philadelphia at once, and I'll collect it when I get there and send you the amount. I promise you faithfully that it shall be remitted by the 15th at the very furthest. "'Oh, don't trouble yourself to be so exact, Robert,' replied Major Pagebrook. Send it when you can. I'm in no very great hurry. Sarah Ann says we must invest all our spare money in the new railroad stock, but I needn't pay anything on that till the 23rd, 
so there will be time enough. But for that, I wouldn't care how long I waited. I shall not let it remain unpaid after the 15th at furthest, said Robert. I do not like to let it lie even that long. Major Pagebrook took his departure, and Robert told Sudie of the bad news, telling her also that he must leave next morning for Philadelphia to see if it were possible to save something from the wreck of the bank. "'Besides,' said he, "'I must get to work. There are nearly two months of time between now and the first of January, and I cannot afford to lose it now that I have lost this money.' "'What will you do, Robert? You can't do anything teaching in that time.' "'No, but I can do a good many things. I write a little now and then for the papers and magazines, for one thing. I can pick up something, I think, which will at least pay expenses.' He then told her of his arrangement with Major Pagebrook about the protested draft, and finished by repeating what the gentleman had said about the investment in railroad stock. This troubled Miss Sudie more than all the rest and Robert, seeing it, pressed her for a reason. But no reason would she give, and Robert was forced to content himself with the thought that his trouble naturally brought trouble to her. To her aunt, however, she expressed her conviction that Cousin Sarah Ann had suggested the railroad investment merely for the sake of compelling her husband to press Robert for payment. She was troubled to know that the payment must be deferred even for a few days, but rejoiced in the knowledge of Robert's ability to discharge his indebtedness speedily. It galled her to think of the unpleasant things which the amiable mistress of the Oaks would manage to say about Robert pending the payment. There was no help for it, however, and so the brave little woman persuaded herself that it was her duty to appear cheerful in order that Robert might be so, and whatever Miss Sudie believed to be her duty in any case, Miss Sudie did, however difficult the doing might be. She accordingly wore the pleasantest possible smile and the most cheerful of countenances whenever Robert was present, doing every particle of her necessary crying in her own room and carefully washing away all traces of the process before opening the door. Robert made all his preparations for departure that afternoon, and on the following morning was driven to the courthouse in the family carriage. When he arrived there, he got what letters there were for him in the post office, read them, and talked a few moments with Ewing Pagebrook, who had spent the preceding night with Foggy and Dr. Harrison, and was now deeply contrite, and rather anxious than otherwise that Robert should scold him. There was no time, however, even for the giving of advice, as the train had now come, and Robert must go at once. A hasty handshaking closed the interview, and Robert was gone. End of chapter 17